You're listening to the Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're going to talk about what happened after the resurrection. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, the very end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Part of this is on the screen this morning and we're going to read a very familiar Familiar passage when Jesus commissioned his disciples. But before Matthew records that, he records something else that happens uh, after the resurrection. So we celebrated, we've kind of been going in order. We celebrated Palm Sunday and we talked about Jesus coming in and we talked about Holy Week. We, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. Last Sunday we gathered here outside and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And you know that that's great and that's wonderful, but that's not exactly where the Gospels end. The Gospels don't end with the resurrection of Jesus. The Gospels end with Jesus commissioning His disciples. I want to look at a few things that happened after Jesus rose again. It says that that Jesus spent 40 days resurrected on earth before He ascended to the, the Father. And we know that that he appeared to his disciples. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that that he actually appeared to 500 people, 500 brethren, it says. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I read this, this is what comes to my mind. It's just amazing to me that these people would see this kind of miracle and yet still refuse to believe. I mean, all these people, seeing a, a man, seeing the empty tomb, even if you didn't see Jesus, just seeing the empty tomb and not finding Jesus' body, to me, that would start sounding alarm bells. But it also says, and we'll read a little bit later, that, that even seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus with holes in his hands, holes in his feet, pierced side, all of that, walking through doors, by the way, still some didn't believe. Why didn't everyone believe? And I, I can't know the answer for sure, but I think there's some truths found in the passages we're going to read today. So let's first read Matthew 28, 11 through 14. It says, Now while they were going, this is after Jesus has been resurrected, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders, And consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So you see that Matthew says, hey, some people didn't believe. There was a conspiracy of sorts that went on. I want to begin this morning. I want you to look at who was present here. Look at the people that was present. It says that the, in verse 11, the guards, and then you see elders and soldiers in verse 12, and also the chief priests. These were, these were powerful people. They were important people conspiring together. And what did they do? These men tried to hide the greatest act in all of human history. And you read up in verse 4, if you want to, the guards that were there, these guards were witnesses to this. 
They were guarding the tomb, and it says that they fell as dead. They knew that, I mean, they absolutely knew that something out of this world happened. Not wanting to conceal it, it says in verse 11 that these guards came into the city and they reported to the chief priest not some of the things that had happened. They reported all of the things that had happened. They knew that, that this man was crucified. They knew that the stone was rolled away. They knew at the very, very least the rumors that this man Jesus was walking, talking, even eating amongst the people. And I imagine by this point, they even knew that Judas Iscariot had killed himself. Yet, even knowing all that, they conspired to cover it up by bribing the guards just like they bribed Judas. And they did it. And people believed it. Even to this day, it says. And people still believe this to this day. So here's just a few key truths from these few verses, 11 through 14. And this is what I want you to realize. In a minute, we're going to read the Great Commission. But sometimes we measure success by who believes in the testimony of Jesus. But church, I want to tell you, this story goes to show that not everyone will believe in a risen Jesus. Look, these men, they saw the evidence. The guards saw the angel in verse 4. It said that they, they fell as dead. They had as near an account as anybody could possibly get, yet they did not believe. So church, when we read this Great Commission, when we go out and we're motivated to share, whenever I get behind here and I give an invitation, sometimes we get surprised when people refuse to accept the truth. But we shouldn't be surprised because if these men accepted, refused it right before their very eyes, people will still refuse it today. Why did they refuse? Why did they refuse? Well, one thing that stings out to me is that they refused to just deny themselves. These men present in verse 11 and 12, they all had one thing in common. They were powerful men. They were powerful men. They were strong men. They were men of influence, men of intelligence. For them to believe in a reason Jesus, for them to, to grab hold of this and say, hey, this really happened. Well, they would have had to have swallowed their pride. They would have had to gave up their authority. They would have had to admit that they were wrong. They would have had to come to a point or they had to believe in something more powerful than them. Somebody more powerful than Caesar. Somebody more powerful than Caiaphas or the chief priests. Someone more important than the elders. They would have had to swallow their pride. And they refused to do it. Church, I want to tell you, a lot has changed since this first Easter, since this first, the only resurrection. But some things have not changed, and this has not changed. Nobody comes to Jesus prideful. Lost people all across the world today are sitting in pews in church all over the world. And they will hear the gospel. They will hear a preacher maybe preach better than me the gospel. 
Lost people know people. They've seen firsthand lives changed by the power of Jesus. They have seen what it looks like for somebody to be lost and now to be found. They've seen people miraculously cured of addictions, diseases. They've seen people near the end of their life have hope that surpasses all understanding. The evidence is just as clear as it was for these men. Yet right now, today, in 2022, lost people will still... Still, still, still deny the resurrection, deny Jesus. And they will leave churches today just as lost as they came in. Why? And I submit to you this morning, it's the same reason now as it was back then. The refusal to kill the pride and admit they need a Savior. These men, I want to tell you, their lives would have totally Change. People are scared that, that their lives will change. For, for these men to have believed in this, well, it would have been the end of being a priest because now Jesus is the new high priest. It could have meant that they would have been crucified. For the guards to, to admit this, then that would have turned their world upside down too. Listen, today people are scared to follow Jesus because they are scared that it will turn their world upside down, that it'll change your job, it'll change your family, it'll change your relationships. And guess what? It will. Jesus offers a different life, but it's a better life, church. I hope that you're here today. I hope that if you're in the position as these men, I hope that you're not so in love with the life that you have now that you deny a new life and a better life in Christ. Lost people today, just like these people back then, are so blinded by the lies of this world that they would literally believe lies than believe the truth. The third thing I noticed from this little passage is, man, these men, they had a chance here. They heard all that had happened. The guards were right there. They had a chance to stand for truth. Instead, they formed and they spread lies. Their greed and their pride robbed them of a great, great blessing. I'm reminded of Proverbs. Proverbs 6, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. These high priests, these elders and soldiers all died contributing nothing but a grand lie to humanity. One of my favorite preachers said this, and I love it. You know what Caesar is now? Caesar is a salad dressing now, but Jesus is still king, and he always will be king. These men died for a lie. They died over a lie, but these few disciples remain true. Oh, church, don't let your pride keep you away from being part of God's family and God's plan. These men could have just changed history. They could have been written as the heroes instead of the villains. But they didn't. So let's read the, the rest of the story. Thankfully, thankfully, you can't keep a good man down. Pun intended. You can't keep Jesus away. They could not keep the gospel from spreading. Jesus had a mission. And it was not completed here. His resurrection was completed but for the gospel to go forth, people still had to believe. And you see this in the Great Commission, and uh, starting in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, 
which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like I said earlier, it says that some people still doubted. In verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some still doubted. Sitting referring to the disciples in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, Paul says that there were 500 people present. Not everybody, not everybody believed. Just imagine seeing this man with a hole in his side, holes in his feet and hands, probably still had scars on his head, refusing to believe. Why? Well, the same reason as before. Refusal to kill self. Refusal to submit authority. We see that Jesus commissions his disciple. Church, what is a disciple? There is a difference between an apostle and a disciple. Some of you will read this and some have the attitude today, well, this isn't really for me. This is for, the, this is for those original 11, but a disciple. A disciple is not an apostle. A disciple is simply someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It is a follower or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a disciple. If you are here today and you are a Christian, if you have accepted his gift of salvation, you are every bit as much of a disciple as Peter, as any of these men were. You are a disciple. And with that comes some instructions for us. We are to follow Jesus. We are to look like Jesus. We are to walk like Jesus. We are to talk like Jesus. And when Jesus commissions his disciples, that includes us as well, even right here at Beth River Baptist Church. When he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We cannot skip over any of that. We're his disciples, and he's commissioned us to spread his gospel, to spread it to the nations. But listen, so many times we read this, and so many times we read over what I think is the most important part of this whole thing. And this is where the, the answer comes from. This is the answer to my thesis today. Why did the elders refused to believe? Why did the guard refuse to believe? Why did Judas refuse to believe? Why do people refuse to believe? And I submit to you today, it's the first verse of the Great Commission. It's on your screen too. It says, And Jesus came to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. These chief priests, they refuse to give up authority. To believe in Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, you must give up authority. You must die to yourself. You must put him at the proper place in your life. There's a reason that Jesus said it's all, all authority, not some authority. All authority has been given to me. And it even goes even further. Not just all authority, but in heaven and on earth. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. 
You will not get very far as a disciple in this life if you don't give up your authority. So let me just tell you, church, don't skip over this this morning. Let's just start from the very, very, very beginning before we get into going and making disciples of all the nations. And we are to do that. I just want to encourage you today to do the first thing. And that's give up authority. Make Jesus the total authority in your life. Recognizing that authority does change your life. I wrote down five things it means, at least for me in my life. First off, for me to give Jesus authority, that means I must give it up. I mean, I, that means I've got to say literally every single day, I'm not king of my life anymore. Brother Kevin's not in charge. Jesus is king. Jesus has authority. That goes with every decision I make. With what I put in my body, what I do to my body. I'm married now, but hey, that decision, that's important. Who I marry, who I date, what kind of company I keep, where I go during the week, what kind of job I do. Everything goes to Jesus because Kevin's not king. Jesus is. Recognizing authority means you must give up authority. Have you done that today? When Jesus is king, when Jesus has the authority, that means that I'm expected to do what Jesus says do. That means to preach what Jesus says preach, even if it seems to be a weird sermon or if it seems to be a a toe-stomping sermon. It means that I do what Jesus says do. And that's what it means for you too. God calls you to be a preacher, then preach. God calls you to be a farmer, then farm. But at the end of the day, Jesus has the authority it means we must give up the authority and we must do what Jesus says do. I look at these disciples and you see this when you go read in the book of Acts. You'll see that they did these things. You see that they gave up authority. You see that they, were, they did what Jesus said to do. And you also see this, that we're expected to go where Jesus says go. Jesus said, when He says... Uh, Go to all the nations. These men did that. They went to all the nations. And listen, that's the same for us today. Wherever Jesus says go, we are to go. I'm not king of my life anymore. That means if Jesus says, hey, Kevin, you need to go to the school and share Jesus. I need to go to the school and share Jesus. It even means if Brother Kevin says, Kevin, I need you to go to Africa on the plains and be a missionary. Then that means Kevin's not king. Kevin has to say, yes, Lord, I'm comfortable here. But if that's where you're calling me, that's where I'll go. That's what he has called his disciples to do. It means... But not only are we to go where he says go, it also means that we're expected to pick up our cross and follow him. Not just on Sundays, not just on Christmas, not just on Mother's Day or Easter. It means every day and in every aspect of our lives. You read this and and you can see that the disciples did this. The disciples followed this great commission to the greatest detail in the book of Acts. And Jesus was faithful with this. Jesus was with them all the way to the end. I want you to know that that every one of these men except John, at least according to church tradition, and we've got no reason to believe otherwise, every one of these men gave up their authority 
Every one of these men were ridiculed. Every one of these men did what Jesus said do. Every one of these men went where Jesus said go. Every one of these men picked up their cross and followed him. And every one except one died a gruesome martyr's death just like Jesus. Listen, the moral of the story is this. To be a disciple of Jesus is hard. And it's challenging. The truth is that, that it would be much easier. It would be much easier. You put yourself in this story. It probably would have been much easier just to believe the lie. Just to believe that somebody stole the body. And like this chief priest or the guard, we can go right on our merry way like nothing ever happened. But Jesus said, no, something did happen. And now the authority's mine. Listen, when you accept that authority, when you put him in charge, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, it turns your world upside down. Listen, sometimes, thankfully, sometimes God calls us to do some things that are really simple. Sometimes God calls us to do some things as simple as come to church with the people we love. But sometimes the instructions are complicated. Sometimes the instructions are hard to do. Sometimes Christ calls us to literally give our lives for Him. That's what He called the disciples to do. But church, whatever God is calling you for, I promise you He is equipping you for. And whatever God has called you to do, I promise you can do it. And church, I'll just say this. Man, the the longer I walk with Christ, this is what I know that I know that I know. That just like the disciples, I would rather die for the truth. I would, I would rather die for the truth, the true gospel, than go on living and believing a lie, even if it's comfortable. What about you this morning? We know we're commissioned, and, and you probably, this is one of the first memory verses we memorize. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because it's, it's really, it's just plain as it possibly can be. We're called to make disciples. But before we get there, my question to you all today is have you submitted to Jesus' authority? Have you done that? Who, who today is king of your life? Really, that, that question really is just two people. Who's king of your life? It's not really Satan or the devil. Really, the question is, is it you or is it Jesus? So many of us, we, we don't want to get out of our pew because it's about us. We've made ourselves king. But Jesus said, all the authority has been given to me. And he said, oh, look, I'm, I'm not, I'll be with you forever. You don't have to make any decision alone. So who's king of your life? And the last question that I want to ask before we have an invitation is, are you living for truth? Or are you buying in to a lie? So many people today are just like these elders, just like these guards, just like the high priest. Oh, they're living comfortable. And oh, they're convincing. But they're living an absolute total lie. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it to, be, to live a lie. So are you living for the truth? Or are you believe, believing a lie? Make the decision today. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you'll live every day for a risen Savior. And I hope you'll give all your authority to Jesus. Have a great week.